0: This is a very serious podcast. And you know, I just finished reading The Chronicles of Narnia again. Oh, okay. I don't know how many times I've read it through, but it's been several. Mm. And I read them in the order of the original boxed set that I received when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Do you happen to remember what that original publication order is? Yes. Lion, Witch, in the
1: Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, The Silver Chair, The Horse and His Boy,
0: The Magician's Nephew, The Last Battle. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So that was, they were written, <clears throat> apparently not exactly in the order in which they were written, but... They were written
1: not in the exact order in which they were written? They were published. Gotcha. <laughs> not in the exact
0: order in which they were written. Yeah. It's the order in which they were written, at least as far as Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, and Voyage of the Don Treader are concerned. hmm the reason, the reason we know this is because of a letter to Lewis by a young fan named Lawrence Krieg, apparently. <coughs> what a British name. I know. Lawrence Krieg. Lawrence Krieg, who wrote that—he was American, actually— Oh, Lawrence who, Krieg. Lawrence Krieg. So he yeah. wrote that he preferred to read the series in chronological order, according to Narnian time, starting with The Magician's Nephew. Huh. While his mother preferred to read the series in the then-current publication order, starting with Lion. And the letter from Krieg is dated April 1957. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because what w- what's happened since... Since 1994, the when you buy a a, a book of the chron, uh, chronicles of Nardia, you will not get them in the order that you just listed. Mm-hmm. They're in a different order now. Yeah, and it goes the Magician's Nephew. Oh, I was going to try and guess again. Go ahead. Okay,
1: I do know it starts with Magician's Nephew, yeah. Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian. That's so weird. Mm-hmm.
0: No? Mm-mm. What could possibly go between? Something that happens when the Pevensie children are still in Narnia after their first time. Oh, the horse and his boy. Correct. Right. There's okay. a vignette where we see... That's we right. See, we uh, see the, the Edmund and uh, Susan are in Tashban, mm-hmm. as Susan is uh, trying to avoid the romantic attentions of the, the prince. Uh, one
1: strike for Hannah. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. Magician's nephew, *Line the Witch in the Wardrobe*, *The Horse and His Boy*, mm-hmm. *Prince Caspian*, *Yeah*, *Voyage of the Dawn Treader*, *The Silver Chair*, *The Last Battle*. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, the new publication so
0: order. How can this? What? How can the Silver Chair be? almost at the end what yeah, yeah yeah see i okay so that that was now the original y- y- the original publication order in britain yeah was the one you listed first and they were the volumes were actually not numbered oh so catchy. if you can go to a collector and buy first editions of the original uh, english Chronicles of Narnia and you've got $40,000 to spend. Remember I showed you that? that yeah. $40,000 for first edition hardbacks of those uh, volumes. They will be in... They won't be numbered. Yeah. But you will... You'll want to put them on yourself in the order that you listed. Because <laughs> that's how they were published. It's uh-huh. the order in which they were published. But anyway... Or you could just do kind of what like
1: what I do and just put them in randomly or according to size.
0: Welcome to Splanknicks, the Society for the Preservation of Literature, the Arts, Numinosity, Culture, Humor, <laughs> Nerdiness,
1: Inspiration, Creativity, and Storytelling.
0: All of the uh, American editions were published by Macmillan, and they were published in, in publication order, like, the, like you listed first, with Line the Witch, and the Warden coming first. And then, starting in 1994, HarperCollins took over the publication, mm-hmm. and they changed the order, and here's why. They think they have canonical reasoning why they can do this. Okay. Lewis responded to Lawrence Krieg, who said, um, I think that I want to read the books in Narnian chronological order. All right. Okay. <laughs> and, but uh, but, but his mother wanted to read them in uh, publication order. So Lewis's response was dated April 21st, 1957. Mm-hmm. Quote, I think I agree with your order for reading the books more than with your mother's. The series was not planned beforehand, as she thinks. When I wrote The Lion, I did not know I was going to write any more. Then I wrote Prince Caspian as a sequel and still didn't think there would be any more And when I had done The Voyage, I felt quite sure it would be the last. But I found I was wrong. So, perhaps it does not matter very much in which order anyone read them. I'm not even sure that all the others were written in the same order in which they were published. I never keep notes of that sort of thing and never remember dates. (laughs) So, if if you read that book... The book in which that letter appears is called Collected Letters, Volume 3. There's a footnote to this letter. Yes. And it says, quote, In the summer of 1963, Lewis had his personal secretary, Walter Hooper, write down the order in which he preferred the stories to be read. And it went like this. The magician's nephew, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, the horse and his boy, Prince Caspian, the voyage of the dawn treader, the silver chair, and the last battle. Regarding the order in which the stories were written... We can, you can, there's another footnote. So, Mm -hmm. that quote is confusing. Yeah, it says basically, he says, Write down the order in which he preferred the stories to be read. Who's he? The order in which Lewis preferred the stories to be read? Or is Lewis saying to Walter Hooper, Write down the order in which you think the stories should be read? Or was he saying the order in which Lawrence Krieg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nevertheless, we seem to have an imprimatur from either Lewis or his personal secretary to do it in this this, this uh, revised order. Right. What's more, in uh, 2005, HarperCollins, HarperCollins published a new edition of The Chronicles of Narnia with the following note. Quote, Although The Magician's Nephew was written several years after C.S. Lewis first began The Chronicles of Narnia, he wanted it to be read first as the first book in the series. HarperCollins is happy to present these books in the order in which Professor Lewis preferred. Okay. I didn't get that at all from... As if Lewis wanted them to be read in that order.
1: I got the uh, impression from the letter, at least, where he said, well, neither order is wrong. You can read them in whatever order you want. Yeah.
0: I don't really care. I wrote them. You read them. Yeah. And the fact that they were not numbered when they came out originally in England, but most people naturally read them in the order in which they were published, because that's just how they came out. I mean, the first book, Lewis completed writing it in 1949, and it was published in 1950. Uh And then the books basically come out sequentially, one per year, 1951, Prince Caspian, 1952, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and so on, 53, 54, 55. And The Last Battle came out in 1956. But it is known that The Magician's Nephew was the last book that he wrote. Mm. So he finished writing the books from 1949 to 1954, and then they published them once per year starting in 1950. So he doesn't remember which order he wrote them in. But I feel like the editors at HarperCollins overstate their case, saying this is the order that Professor Lewis wanted them to be read in. Uh Uh-huh. He said he agreed with Lawrence Krieg's preference. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, who's this kid writing... A letter, you know, of some American fan writing a letter to one of his favorite authors. I guess mm-hmm. it seems to me that maybe Lewis just said that, just like a eh, yes, yes, patted him on the head. Maybe, you know, didn't want to lay down the law and say, "No, you <laughs> American, you're you're wrong." <laughs> Read them in the order in which they were yeah. published.
1: <laughs> you Americans with your with your Fahrenheit and your. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you're you're twelve inches to a foot. You're Fahrenheit,
1: and you're twelve inches to a foot, and and measuring things in miles. What do you know about the order of things? What do you know about numbers?
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. But actually, England did not go to kilometers and centimeters and all that stuff until the seventies. Oh, I, I, you know how I know this? I
1: I cannot imagine I was how. There. Oh. <laughs> I was there. I was in England because we visited. You were there when the courage of men failed? That's right. I was there. 5,000 was there. when they changed
0: inches to centimeters. (laughs) And uh, was I? Really? Maybe. Was I? Well, it was in the 70s. Well, I know they changed. They were getting rid of the money. They were getting rid of the sixpence and the tuppence, and they were changing it all to to hundreds, you know, decimal decimal system. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, I I lived in England with my grandparents for... My brothers and I for like three summers in a row. Yeah, when I was in junior high. So yeah, it was good. Anyway, so <laughs> in short, it seems to me that Lewis was at best ambivalent about the matter, and then this thing about how he had Walter Hooper write down the order in which he preferred the stories to be read. All right, no disrespect to the late Walter Hooper, but if that's who he's the he he's referring to, who cares what order Walter Hooper wants the books read in? You know, I just. There's no, there's nothing in here that says, yes, I think that these books should be republished and reordered according to the internal chronology of Narnia, starting with the magician's nephew. What do you think? I prefer reading them in the order
1: they were published. Yeah. It just seems really weird to me that I would read the horse and his boy between between wardrobe and Prince Caspian. It doesn't really confuse me to have something not in order. It would be like, oh, this is taking place beforehand. This is a prequel. This is an origin story. I get it. Yes, exactly. So it kind of – I feel like if you read The Magician's Nephew before you read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, then a lot of the magic of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or the magic of discovering Narnia through the eyes of these kids, like –
0: people did originally when they read these books, I feel like it would take away a little bit of the magic. I exactly agree. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the things that I had written down was that the the, the first book in the series represents the author's original vision. The, the, the first book that he, that he or she wrote represents the author's original vision for the story and its setting. And so in a way, Lion introduces not just the reader, but Lewis himself in a way to the Pevensey children, to the world of Narnia, to Aslan yeah. And from its opening pages, you are discovering Narnia right along with Lucy in very small increments. You know, you go you dip a toe into Narnia mm. like Lucy does. And then you go back and you're wondering, wow, what is, what's this? And why is there a lamppost in the middle of this, this this snowy
1: wood, you know? Yeah. This wardrobe. Yeah, whereas whereas in the if you read The Magician's Nephew first and then you read the line The Witch and the Wardrobe. You'd come back in there, you'd recognize things, you'd be like, oh, that's why the lamppost is there, and that's who the old man is who owns the wardrobe. I I, I prefer it better when it's like in retrospect where you're like...
0: I, I do too. I prefer to read Magician's Nephew as a prequel origin story. Yes. And not as the first book in the series. because and, and the thing is, it's obvious that The Magician's Nephew was written after at least a few of the earlier stories. Yeah. Because listen to this. It, 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 it presumes that the reader is already familiar with Narnia. Mm. Listen to this. this is how, This is how it opens. The Magician's Nephew. This is a story about something that happened long ago when your grandfather was a child. It is a very important story. Because it shows how all the comings and goings between our own world and the land of Narnia first began. This is the first book you've ever clapped eyes on in the series. You're like, "What comings and goings between what? Narnia? What is this?" You had no, you have no idea. You have no context for that statement. Mm. All because all the comings and goings refer to the events of the first three stories, at least, and even even the Silver Chair. You know, when the Pevensey children are going back and forth between Narnia and our world. So. So a reader coming up to that series cold and beginning with the magician's nephew has no no knowledge of this. He has no idea. So I, I think and I, I think as an introduction to the world, it just doesn't work. And and then and like you said, I don't think it works as a first taste of Narnia mm-hmm. either. Well, there's a lot of time going back and forth between different all sorts of yeah, different worlds. Yeah. I don't think it functions as a whole well as anything than what it was first envisioned as, which is a which is an origin story prequel, you know? Prequels, flashbacks, origin stories. It's like you said. There's something delicious about that, isn't there? Because you know what happens next, and you share a little, you know, in the author's kind of omniscient point of view, right? Right. There's a a, a book that I that I came across on this. It's uh it's by an author named a scholar. His name is Peter Shackle. Okay. Let me see if I can find the name of his book. It's okay. We'll, we'll put it in the notes or something. But anyway, he said, often the early events in a sequence have a greater impact or effect as a flashback told after later events, events, which provide background and establish perspective, which is exactly what, what we get with the Chronicles. I think another good example of that where the prequel and the origin story is very impactful is Star Wars. Right? That's another thing where I think to myself,
1: if I'm going to show these movies to a kid, I'm going to show them in the order of their release, not in chronological order, because they're like I am your father." That's not a surprise
0: anymore. Oh, if you show yeah. the prequels yeah. first, you exactly, know exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's what so, such an impact about that moment, yeah, is that we don't, don't know. No. Know. And then, of course, when, then when you do watch the prequels, you have this, this sense of tragedy and impending doom, you know, when mm-hmm. you watch this innocent boy. Yeah. And you see this, this is Darth Vader. And how does this happen? How did yes. that happen to him? Yeah. And you watch it with this just sense of dread, you know. There are plenty of other television and, and cinematic stories that have done this um, with great effect, like Lost, for example. The Walking Dead has done this. The X-Files, you know, other other great, great series and things. Mm. Origin stories in, in general are, are, are very, I, I enjoy those after you've seen what the character is now, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing too, yeah. Like, like you were saying, the uh, the lamp right? Like, I really enjoyed that that first read of The Magician's Nephew and that aha moment, right, where Queen Jadis throws the crossbar of a London lamppost post at, at Aslan's head. Yeah, because she happened to be holding it when she, when everyone was transported into the into, into Narnia, she had this lamp post that she had been wielding as a weapon, right. And she throws it at, at at Aslan. It hits him in the head, rebounds harmlessly, lands in the grass. And like everything in Narnia, it's, it's subject to this sort of hyper growth. And it grows into the famous lamppost, which we first encountered six books ago in Line the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And we go, oh, now we know. You know, like, you know, like Lucy, we have been wondering this whole time, why is there a lamppost in the middle of this wood? Well, now we know. And it's so funny. It's great. Much more resonant and enjoyable as the explanation of a long established mystery than as a relatively small incident in in the magician's nephew and then and then like you were saying if you if you read the magician's nephew first that lamppost immediately gives away where lucy is in the in the next book and you're like oh okay there's also a scene in the magician's nephew where the narrator lewis interjects and says when diggory grew up he became the famous professor kirk who comes into other books and so, if the magician's nephew is the first book, how could he be famous? The famous Professor Kirk? Yep. How? If no reader has yet encountered him, and what you know what are the books is he talking about? The other thing too, is that in the magician's nephew, we get where the wardrobe came from and why it's a magic wardrobe mm. because of the the seed of the apple that Diggory brought back from the from the magic garden. A weird shadow just passed the window. Oh, it's a, oh, it's a squirrel. squirrel! There's a squirrel outside. Hello. And then finally, there <laughs> that, is. <a, laughs> we both like what was that? Oh, it's a squirrel! It's a squirrel. <laughs> ah! <laughs> hey, ADD girl, come back. Okay. All right. Anyway, so now and finally, there is actually textual evidence that the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe was and always should be the first book in the series. Yeah. Okay. At the first mention of Aslan. Lewis, the narrator, says, none of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do. Okay. So if supposedly The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe is supposed to be the second book you've written, then you know who Aslan is from The Magician's Nephew. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is proof in the book that The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe was, read, was written first, published first, meant to be read first. So I must respectfully disagree with... with Either Walter Hooper or Lawrence Krieg, and even, dare I say this, disagree with the with, uh, Professor Lewis himself. Was he a professor? I don't think he ever was. No, I think he was. Anyway, so I disagree. I disagree with Lewis. I don't think you should start reading the books with The Magician's Nephew first. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I agree as well. here we go here's the book by Peter Shackle I found the reference it's called Peter Shackle S-C-H-A-K-E-L imagination and the arts in C.S. Lewis journeying to Narnia and other worlds and then he also wrote another book called reading with the heart the way into Narnia so those would be some good books that you might want to read I'm glad we, we had that conversation and I mean obviously I'm People can read these however they want, but I, I think that there's good evidence that that the original publication order is is the best way to read them, and it always annoys me that you know every time you go and buy a you want to buy a book like I really do need to buy a new edition of the Chronicles of Narnia because my old on paperbacks that we got probably in the late 70s or early 80s they're starting to come apart like when I open them you know the book it just it's cracking open and falling into pages are coming out so yeah. dang but I don't have forty thousand dollars to spend on the First edition hardback uh, copies uh, well, published in England. So have I ranted on long enough about the order of the books in the Chronicles of
1: Narnia? Mm-hmm. Yes, and you've actually managed to get me to have a firm and passionate opinion on it now. Oh, really? Yeah, it really it annoys me that The Magician's Nephew is first in this new publication. Curse you, HarperCollins! Yeah! <sighs> <sighs> Since recording the first part of this episode, I have found a copy, a big tome of the Chronicles of Narnia, just all in one book. So, I won't be able to put them on my bookshelf in the wrong order to annoy people. However, they are in the wrong order in the tome.
0: Table of contents. Yeah, the table of
1: contents. Yeah, so magician's
0: nephew is first. Yeah, one. in
1: this in this giant tome. So, so you can't uh,
0: you rearrange it.
1: I can't rearrange them in any way. <laughs> it's just it's stuck in the tome this way. No. Yeah, oh, it's well. too nice
0: to uh, deface. Well, I have defaced individual volumes of the of the Harper order. Yeah,
1: I know. I bought
0: somebody a, a copy of uh, *Blind the Witch in the Wardrobe* and totally crossed out book three in the Chronicles of Narnia. Book one. Uh huh. <clears throat> <laughs> and if I remember correctly, I also defaced the spine. Yeah, to put one on the spine. <laughs> oh my gosh, funny! It was it was just a paperback copy. So <laughs> you may ask, did I enjoy my read through of the Chronicles of Narnia? This yeah, time? Not that yeah, I complained did you, enough
1: about, it. or did you get hung up on the order in which they were? Yeah, they were. I refuse to enjoy the
0: series anymore because they. <laughs> no, yeah. I did not. I I I, I did enjoy the, the series as always. Whenever I read through the series, different mm-hmm. books strike me. Yeah. As more enjoyable on the current read through. And yeah. this time I, I really enjoyed the silver chair. <gasps> you did? That's yeah. my favorite. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, because usually it's like, usually Voyage of the Dawn Treader and The Last Battle are the ones that I just. Yeah. And of course, well, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe is yeah probably the most consistently enjoyable. I have really enjoyed the silver chair, which is the one where it's uh, Eustace and Jill Pohl mm-hmm. who go with the Marsh Wiggle Puddle Glum. To go and rescue Prince Rilian mm-hmm. from the clutches of this evil witch queen, right? Right. And they have a they have a very unfortunate encounter with a bunch of giants. <laughs> but they go there, and they've been told by some. Yeah, actually, it's, it's Prince Rillian and the queen on the road. Remember? Yeah. And they say, "Oh yes, present yourself to the castle and say that you're here for the summer feast." <laughs> so they knock on the door, and the and the and the giants are like. Who are you? Well, we're here for the summer feast. Thinking, oh great, they're thinking they're going to be guests yeah. for the summer feast. Mm-hmm. When in fact they are going to be the main course mm-hmm. of the summer feast. Yes, feast. So like in Hamlet. Where is
1: Polonius at supper? Where he eats? No, where he is eaten?
0: <laughs> <laughs> or even even worse, the Titus Andronicus version. Of right? The, yes bakes the, the 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 sons of his uh, rival into yes. a pie it's like ah ha ha yes
1: won't you two come to dinner <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so so that was so that was fun and i enjoyed the the encounter in in the underworld with with the with the with the witch queen there hmm. and that whole um encounter where where puddleglum sort of has enough wits about him to sort of almost throw himself into the fire to shock himself out of the the spell that that uh, has been cast upon them mm-hmm. and then that whole incident where they're underground and they're Lewis created this whole other world of, of deep underground people and all these <laughs> underground people are sort of running to throw themselves into this crevasse before it shuts
1: you know? uh-huh. they're like they're
0: like they live way deep underground yeah in the in the fire you know and then their adventures back up c- climbing their way up back mm-hmm. into the real world so that whole thing about that 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 sort of archetypal journey mm. of into the underworld, mm-hmm. into the deepest darkest, where where you face basically the the demon or the dragon or the big bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then you defeat them, and that but then you do have to make a perilous journey upward, the ascent. So that the story, the rise or the falling descent, and then the rising ascent is a good, it's an archetypal story. Uh, Mm. element yeah Uh, it's it's really really well done by by lewis in this in this book i like the
1: character of puddle glum i thought he was very funny when i was a kid
0: he is funny. Yeah. He's always thinking, oh, this is just not going to work out. Uh-huh. But then in the end, though, he's the one who's got the most sense mm-hmm. and the one who actually does see the sliver of hope in the situation and acts on it. The other book that I enjoyed reading uh, this time but that was sort of standout enjoyable was The Horse and His Boy. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I love the, the talking horses and the banter back and forth between the talking horses. And I like Shasta. Mm-hmm. I like Shasta. I think he's a good character. What's the name of the, of, of the little friend who... Uh, of Shasta's, and they end up, got married so that they could bicker with one another more conveniently. That was my, my latest read-through of Chronicles of Narnia, so I encourage all of our listeners to read them in, in, the, in the correct order, although you don't have to because, honestly, it's not that big a deal, but I, I do think it's, it's worth noting. The
1: Splank Nix Podcast is produced by Claire T. Walker and Hannah Kubiak. You can contact us by emailing splanknixpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome episode topic suggestions, personal anecdotes, and corrections for those rare occasions when we don't know what we're talking about. Visit Splanknix.com for show notes and transcripts of all our episodes, and follow us on Instagram at Splanknecks underscore podcast. Claire T. Walker is an independent author with two self-published books, The Keys of Death, and Startling Figures. Learn more about Claire and her books at ClaireTWalker.com.